0: Amen. Good morning, Power Place. How you doing today? Come on, I know you're doing better than that. I saw some of you outside. You were excited because it feels great outside. It feels like spring, right? Come on. You got to be excited to be in the house of God today. It's an awesome place to be. Honestly, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else than right here with this family in this church right here at the Power Place. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here with you guys. We've been through this um, series recently called Heart for the House, and it's been a fantastic series. I know that I've gained so much uh, through it. Have, have you gained something through this series, Heart for the House? Amen. Amen. I know that you've received uh, some, some great wisdom, some great knowledge that, that God had for you, and you're stepping into what He's calling you to, and it's exciting. See, I love it. I love seeing people having a heart for the house. Yesterday, we were here uh, from morning till night. We had people come in to help us hang new signs. If you haven't noticed those um, when you came in, we've got brand new signs on the side of the building that that we've had some volunteers hang up, and uh, they look awesome. We're so thankful for these guys. We had uh, Caroline, our kids' pastor. Uh, get a group of people together and, and have a new look, a new fresh look for our Power Place kids. So when you walk into the kids' room, it actually looks like a kids' room. How cool is that? It's awesome because we want to have a safe and fun place for your kids to hear about the Word of God, to grow in the Word of God. And it's just, it's an exciting thing. There's great things going on around here. And it's not just inside this house, it's outside. We're, we're equipping you, we're we're pouring God's word into you so that you can go outside of these walls and spread His love, His good news. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Hey, um, today I believe that this series has set you up, uh, has set us up perfectly for what God laid on my heart for this week. And and it's a it's an intimidating topic. It's a big topic, and you're going to be like, oh man, he's talking about that today. But that's okay. Uh, today, the sermon is entitled One by one. One by one. W-O-N by O-N-E. One by one. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do today in our hearts. I pray that your word would come forth boldly and fall on uh, fresh, good soil. God, that you would plant your seed uh, deep in our hearts and that it would continue to be watered and grow in you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, We're going to start by looking in in Mark today, in in the book of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark. And and in Mark, um, it talks about how Jesus is walking along the shore and he sees these fishermen in a boat and they're casting their nets out. They're doing their thing, it's their job, it's what they do for a living. And he says something to them, and we've all probably heard it. Some of us may not have, but uh, he says something. He says, Follow me and I will make you something. He says, I'm going to make you something. I think it's interesting because a lot of times as Christians, when you come to know Jesus, you're thinking, oh, man, when I follow him, he's going to make me uh, a better father. He's going to make me more equipped to gain financial wealth. He's going to uh, pour blessings on me. He's going to make me a better person. And, and it, the funny thing is the Bible never, never says anything specifically like that. All it says is, is uh, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. But what he does say is if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. And what he was doing, he, Jesus talked in parables. He, he talked in a way that he could relate with people. And so these men were fishermen, and they understood that. They said, okay, you know, we fish for fish for food. You're going to make us fishers of men. What an interesting concept that must have been to them. Like, what in the world do you mean we're going to throw some line out and hook them in their mouth and reel them in towards us? They're not going to like us very much if we do that. No, Jesus wasn't saying that. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men and you're already saying man he's going to talk about evangelism today. I don't want to talk about evangelism. I want to stay in my comfort zone. I don't want to talk about telling others. That's that's uncomfortable to me, right? I think though the 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 difference is um with evangelism, we kind of get this this weird connotation um, with that word. We think uh, evangelist is probably the better word, that, that we get this picture in our mind, we, we begin to think about um, what we've seen in an evangelist before, and, and, and why don't you think about that right now, what do you think, what's the first thing you think about when you hear the word evangelist, and, and a lot of us would probably say, probably somebody who's loud and, and, and yelling and, and maybe spitting on the people on the front row, and, and maybe talking in an accent that they don't have when you talk to them off the stage, you know, they're like, and God said, you know, like, who talks like that? Honestly, like, if you're sitting at the table, could you please pass the salt? <laughs> you know, no. You're not going to have a conversation with somebody like that. It's crazy. I don't know why they feel like the Spirit is giving them a new accent. I, I'm not, I don't think it works that way. But I think that those are the things that we think about when we think of evangelists. Uh, but what I want you to do now is think about um, the person who allowed you to come to know Christ? Who, who's the person who's responsible for you coming to know Jesus? How would you describe that person? I'm guessing you would use words like kind, like patient, understanding. It, does that relate to you? The people who invited you to come to know Jesus. They're not somebody who's yelling at you and spitting on, on you and, and speaking to you in a weird accent. Unless they're from South Louisiana and that's, an, that's a whole other thing. It's interesting if you've had conversations with him. Or if you've watched Duck Dynasty or uh, Swamp People, you know what I mean. <laughs> in Mark 1.17, this starts the gospel. And Jesus says this at the beginning of the gospel of Mark. He says, uh, Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll, I'll make you become fishers of men. And he says that because it's so important. And it's so important that he ends it in the gospel of Mark as well. And he says in, in Mark 16.15, Go into the world, go everywhere, and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. So he's stressing the importance. You, you see in the, in, the, in the book of Mark, you have his account of what happened in the Gospels. But he starts the book of Mark by saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men," And he ends the book of Mark saying, go into all the world now with all this knowledge, with what you know about Jesus, and tell others his good news. So this is such an important thing. I know it's an intimidating thing. It's, it's kind of a scary thing. It's outside of our comfort zone. But this is so important uh, to God for us to know, to get into our hearts. If you go into on Acts 1, 8, it says, And you will be my witnesses. He says this, I, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you think about the word witness, you know, in a, in a courtroom, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. In a courtroom, you've got, you've got the prosecutor, the one who's saying, they did this, they were wrong, this is, this is not right, this is what the person did, clear and cut and dry. And then you've got the defender saying, no, 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 no. this is not what they've done. This is, you're, you're, you're embellishing this, you're making it go on, on on and on. And then you've got the witness. And the witness's job is just to give a clear count of what they saw, of what happened, what their experience was. And Jesus doesn't say that you have to prosecute somebody. You don't have to yell at somebody and say, you're going to go to hell for what you're doing. That's not what we're called to do. We're not called to defend the word of God. You know, no, you're misinterpreting that. And let me get the- theological with you for a moment. No, that's not what God has asked us to do. He's asked us to be a witness for him. And all that is is give an account for what God has done in your life. What has God done in you? Because I know he's done something in my life, and I know he's done something in each and every one of your lives as well. And he's called us to be a witness, to give an account for what he's done in our lives, to testify for the goodness that God has shown in our life. And you may say, nobody wants to hear that, though. Nobody wants to hear my story. They don't want to hear me tell about Jesus. But I beg to differ with you because Gallup just came out with a survey a couple years ago that says out of the 65 million people, who are unchurched, who don't go to anybody's church right now, 34 million of those people, if you were to ask them today, if you were to just ask them, hey, would you come to church with me? Or if you were to share with them about what Jesus has done in, in your life, they would be receptive and they would say yes to coming to church. Over 50% of people would say yes if you just asked them. That, that's a big statistic. So, so I'm telling you, you may feel like nobody wants to listen to that or maybe it's a scary thing. But I guarantee you, they are receptive. Over 50% of people who you were to encounter who aren't going to church right now, if you ask them, they would say yes. That's a pretty incredible thing. It's a, it's, it makes things less intimidating to say, all right, if I have this conversation, at least I know half of them will say yes and come to church with me. Listen, this is your destiny. This is what God has called you to do. It's, it's what he's called me to do. It's what he's called us to do as followers of Christ is fish for men. And and maybe you're here to say, man, this is this is so simple. Why did I come to church today? I came on the day that Landon's preaching. He's so he's so surfacey. He doesn't give me nothing deep. You want something deep? Don't just learn the Bible. Live the Bible. Live the word of God. That's deep, man. When you, get, when you get into what God is telling you to do and you actually take action to that, that's when you're going to ex- be experiencing breakthroughs in your life. You're going to be experiencing Jesus in a whole new way that you never experienced him before just because you're living the Bible and not just learning. What good is it for us to become spiritually obese? It does nobody any good. What are you going to walk by and say, I learned more about Jesus today. Good luck. <laughs> Praying for you. No, we have to live the word of God. We can't just ingest it and keep it in. It becomes toxic when you keep it in. It becomes toxic. we got to share the word of God. we got to share the love of God in our lives. And listen, you don't have to be deep to share Jesus. You don't. Because let me tell you, if, if somebody is drowning in their sorrows, in their life, in their shame, they don't need you to give them the original Greek interpretation of life raft. They just need you to throw them one. Give me a life raft. I don't care what it means. I don't care what the Greek original interpretation is. Just give me a life raft. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Look, throw people these life rafts. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 5, it says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not whether it 's convenient for you or not, it doesn 't have to be uh, the perfect time. You could be standing in line to order some some taco bell, and maybe God is nudging your heart to say, "Hey, you need to speak to this person. You see a single mom in line and, and she 's struggling, and, and maybe God is just just calling you to say, "Hey, my church would love to to, um, to hang out with your kids on a Sunday morning, you know give you a, a break for a couple hours and and just love on your kids, pour into the love of God, pour the love of God into them. And You never know what that would do to somebody. You never know unless you try. You never know unless you try. Why are we so scared to to give somebody a life raft, to give somebody something that's gonna save their life in the end? We gotta step outside of our comfort zone. We gotta share the good news. And it goes on to say this, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. It says work at telling the good news. What does that tell me? That tells me that you're probably not good at it right now. You got to work at it. You got to try, and you got to try, and you got to try again, because it doesn't come easy. It's not a natural thing. It's not uh, just convenient to walk up to somebody and say, hey, let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. That would be uh, somewhat int- intimidating it would be awkward to you at first but you got to try and you got to try and you got to try again just like he says ask and seek and knock the original greek interpretation of that is ask and ask and ask and knock and, and, and seek and seek and seek and seek and knock and knock and knock and knock you got to keep working at it you got to keep uh, putting putting your foot to the grind to make this thing happen to make this thing keep going over and over until you step into the calling that god has into your life Our job isn't to explain the Bible cover to cover and try and prove to someone that your way is better than them. No, our job is just to give an account of what God has done in our life, to witness, to be a witness to others, to share what he's done in your life, how he set you free, how he's made you a new individual in Jesus Christ. And there's four things that I want to give you today. I want to give you that's going to help you do that. And um, we have some notes for you, uh, a pieces of paper that, that you can take notes on if you want to do that. I encourage you to do that. It's a great thing for you to go back and, and, and look on to remind you, to encourage you. So if you need one of those, our ushers can, can, can grab one of those for you. You can just slip up your hand and steal one of the pins that we have in the seat back in front of you. And number one today, I want you to write this down. Become aware. This is the first thing. Become aware. And the first thing I want you to become aware of is that this is God's expectation of you. And I I don't mean expectation, I hate using that word. I don't mean expectation as in if you don't do it, that he's gonna be angry at you and send hellfire and brimstone down on you. No, I mean that this is God's only plan for spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. There is no plan B. You are his only plan. So this is God's destiny for your life. There's no, there's no, spiritual thing in the air that's just going to come down and zap you and fill you with the knowledge of what Jesus has done in everyone else's life. No, your only tool, his only tool for reaching the lost is you. It's his only tool. He's got no backup plan. There is no plan B. You are plan A and that's it. He's got you in the forefront of his plan. So I want you to become aware that it's God's expectation of you. It's his plan. In Romans 10, 14 to 15, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless someone comes and gets on stage and, and preaches them and tells them they're supposed to go witness and send them out? How can they do this as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Listen, you haven't experienced life until you've invited one of those 34 million people who would say yes if you asked them. And you're sitting at the altar call, and you're bowing your heads, and everyone's closing their eyes except for you because you're kind of peeking to watch what's going on. And as, as the pastor gives The author call and and asks if they want to receive Jesus in your life. You see tears stream down their face. You see their hand go up. That's going to be your favorite service ever. And guess what? You're responsible for that. You're responsible for someone coming to new life. That's our job. That's going to be your favorite service ever. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Again, our, we are our, his only plan. So be aware that this is what you're on earth to do. But be aware of the process of what that looks like. And I want to help you with that today. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, I planted the seeds in your heart. That was my job. That was, that was my calling. And then another guy, Apollos, came and he came and watered it. That was his job. He came along and did that as well. But it was God who made it grow. There's a process. There's a plan, and, and I, I came across this, this scale. It's called the Engel scale, and, and when I saw this, it, it just kind of gave me an aha moment. It really helped me to see the process laid out, and I thought to myself, man, I, I need to share this because it may, it may do the same thing for you. It, it just helps you to see where people are and the process of coming to know Jesus, and, and it starts at negative six, and negative sis, six is resistant. And people may be resistant because of, of hurt or fear. They may be re- resistant uh, because they've been hurt in the church. They may be resistant because they've been hurt by their family, by friends, by whatever, by life in general. And, and they're resistant because of that hurt or that fear that they have. And then it moves on in the scale to the receptive area where they become open. They say, okay, you know, I've moved on past this hurt and, and fear. I've kind of handled that. I get, I get it. I'm going to go ahead and be receptive to to whatever's out there, to whatever may be. And it moves on to negative four, to seeking. They're looking for something. They have a desire to to fill this hole that's in their heart, that's in their life, and they don't know how to do it, but they're looking. They're receptive and they're seeking. In negative three, they get to the place where they're considering. And in considering, they're, they're, they're drawn to consideration because they don't like where they are in life. They don't like the the pain that they're dealing with, the hurt that they're dealing with, and, and the same cycle that they're in over and over is not changing anything. And so they're, they're considering what may be out there for them. And then they get to the point of understanding, and we can help them move into that by sharing what Jesus has done in our lives. God isn't trying to—we have to help them understand, you know, he's not trying to get rid of your vices. That's, that's not the deal before you come to know him you don't have to be clean before you come to know Jesus. He does that for you. It, that's, that's not the goal. The, the goal is to share what God has done in your life, the process that He's done in your life, and to get, to the, get, get them to the point of, of considering and understanding what He's done, what He could do in their life. And then it brings them to negative one, which is the stage that they're ready. And this is what the 34 million people who are waiting for you to invite them that's where they are, that's where a lot of them are. They're ready. They're ready to hear, and all you have to do is say something. All you have to do is start a relationship. Tell them what God has done in your life, what they could do in his life. They're ready. And then it takes it to zero, which is new life in Christ. This is the point where you're sitting next to them. You see the tears running down their face. They accept Jesus. They receive new life in Christ. Man, what an amazing experience that is. I'm going to tell you a story in just a little bit about an experience I had with somebody in and, and got to experience that firsthand. It's an incredible thing. And then it takes them to positive one, belonging, getting connected in a power group, in a power group interest, uh, getting connected in the body of Christ. This is where you're going to thrive. This is where you're going to grow. This is where you're going to step into God's calling for your life. And it takes you to number two, which is what I just said, growing. And this one can be interchanged with another word, and um, that word would be discover, discovering what God has in your life, the purpose that he has, and that's what we've been doing over the past four weeks with Heart for the House. You begin discovering what God is doing in your life, and it's exciting. We've had uh, around 60 new volunteers, new dream teamers that are a part of our team. That's exciting. That's something to to praise God about. That's incredible. They're stepping into their calling. It's an incredible thing, and it takes us to three. That's serving. That's what we have just seen happen with these dream teamers stepping into what God has called them to. And it leads you to, to number four, and that's sharing. Sharing, and that's where you experience the fulfillment. We kind of touched on this when we were talking about um, the scale a few weeks ago. You get to that pinnacle, that peak where you're sharing. You've experienced that that um, fulfillment in, in sharing with others what God has done in your life and And walking them through the process of how to get there. So number one, become aware. Number two, commit to prayer. I rhymed. I made it easy for you so you could remember. Commit to prayer. And this is is so important. This is so important. Because there's power in prayer. And if we pray the word of God, and we're going to talk about that right now. If we pray the word of God, we're going to see things happen. That that we can't make happen on our own. We're going to see things begin to happen in the spiritual realm. Things begin to come unlocked, and 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 doors begin to open, and we're going to see brand new things. And so through this, uh, here's some things, some practical things that you can do when you're praying for someone. You can pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. That the Father would draw them to Jesus. And it talks about that in John. 644 and the next thing that you can do is pray against the spirit that blinds their minds because there is a spirit one that we can't see there's there's things going on in the spiritual realm right now that you can't see but there's spirits that blind the minds of those who don't know jesus so that they they can't see what god has for them and honestly you know what those blinders um are a lot of them you and me we become the blinders to other people because we turn their backs on them. And the way we turn our backs on them is by not sharing the good news of Jesus, what he's done in our lives. So we become blinders, in essence, to people because all they're seeing is, is, is this right here, what the enemy wants them to see. They can't see the goodness that God has to their left and to their right. All they see is what the enemy wants them to see, and that's the pain and the suffering that's going on in their life, the cycle that they're stuck in that they can't get out in, the depression, the oppression that's in their life. And that's all they're surrounded with 24-7 when all we have to do is tell them, share with them, pray for them, commit to prayer, that, pray against that spirit that's blinding them, those blinders. Pray that they come to know God relationally. Did you know when you come to know Jesus, when you begin to have a relationship, you step from adoption to sonship? And in, in the Roman culture, this was a big deal. Because in the Roman culture, adoption to sonship means that, that yeah, you've, you've been accepted into my family, but you are officially my blood now. You're not just my adopted son. You are my son. We step from adoption into sonship when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's an an incredible thing. We're not an adopted kid. We're not the redheaded stepchild, so to speak. We step from adoption into sonship. Pray that believers will cross paths and enter into the positive relationship with them. Because they may not listen to you. It may be your son, it may be your mom, and they're not going to listen to what you have to say. That's okay, because God's got a plan, and all you've got to pray is that they cross paths with those individuals, those ones who, who know Jesus, who can connect with them on that level, who can share what God has done in their life, and change them. There's something that can switch in their hearts, but those are the things that you've got to pray for. These are practical things that you can pray for to happen in their lives. Pray for those people to cross paths with them. And speak things that, that maybe you're already saying, but they'll say in a new, fresh way that's going to speak to their heart. The Holy Spirit's going to use them. Pray that somebody will cross paths with them in that way. And then pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. And that may come through you. That may come through somebody else, this person that we're talking about you're praying for. Pray that they have a revelation, an aha moment, a eureka moment that says, wow, God did that in your life. And he could do that in my life, too. Yeah, we want to have that eureka moment for these individuals. And number three, show them you care. Show them you care. This may be the most valuable tool that you have in your arsenal for winning people to Jesus Christ. Show them you care. It's so cliche, and you've probably heard it a million times, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't. And the reason I know this is because I had an experience with – a boss that I had when I was living in South Louisiana. I was interning at a church. I was 21 years old, and uh, I had already gone through two years of college. 21 years old. I'm interning at a church in, in Bayou Gosh, Louisiana. It means Bayou on the left in French, or Bayou on the right. Actually, I can't remember now. One of the two. Ambidextrous. I don't know. Uh, Bayou Gosh. The middle of nowhere. We're like a half hour from New Orleans. This tiny little town. There's maybe fifteen hundred people there. I kid you not. The first day that Pastor Paul, the pastor of this church, who drove me around the community. It's ten in the morning, and we're driving down um, Bayou's on my right. These houses are on the left, and there is a man sitting on his front porch, no shirt on, cut off jean shorts, and a beer in his hand at ten o'clock. Say, like, "Good morning. How you doing?" I'm like, "Man, what did I get myself into?" Where am I in the middle of Bayou Gosh? This is crazy. But I I started working at this seafood restaurant called Spars Seafood, and there was a boss that I had. His name was Nick, and Nick was he's a good guy. He, he was a little tough on the surface. You know, he was real, a real stickler for the rules. This one time I pulled my phone out, you know, in the back where um, you enter in all the orders and all that kind of stuff. And he walks by and sees me with my phone down here, grabs it out of my hand, says, you'll get it back at the end of your shift. I'm like, this is crazy, man. What are we in third grade? Uh, but he's a real stickler for the rules. And, you know, to the point where it kind of just got on your nerves. It was just, it was annoying. Um, so there were moments when you liked the guy and moments when you really just didn't like him. You're like, oh, I hope Nick's not working today. Uh, but there came a point where it, it got worse. Like you could tell something was going on in his life, and, and it got worse. He, he just became um, more angry. Um, you could tell that, that he was a little bit depressed and, and things, and he was taking it out on people. And I thought to myself, man, I wonder what's going on with him. I, I better change the way that I have an attitude towards him because it was frustrating sometimes working with him. It was tough. And I said, I better change this attitude that I have towards him, because there's something going on in the inside, and I don't know what it is, but, but I know God has called me to, to do something about it. And so every day I made a point to, to say hey to Nick, to ask him how he was doing, and, and to kind of just speak encouragement into his life, to say, hey, man, I'm, I'm glad to see you, glad to be working with you today, when really, in all reality, I wasn't very glad to be working with him. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I just made a point over and over and over, and come to find out, a mutual friend of ours, he came to me and he said, hey, did you, did you know that Nick is, is living in his car right now? Um, his marriage is on the rocks. His, his wife kicked him out. He's got two kids, and, and he just doesn't know what he's doing in life. And I'm like, man, I had no idea. I knew something was going on, but I didn't know what it was. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm developing this relationship with him, and, and I just came to him one day, and I said, man, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Um, I I know there's something going on in your life. I don't know specifically all the details, but I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And right then and there, he he just broke down. He opened up to me and he he said, man, I really uh, appreciate that. You know, his eyes welled up with tears and he was like, you you never know what that means. And at the time I was living in this trailer and it was a a beautiful thing. (laughs) I thought about showing you a picture, but then I thought, Man, if if somebody ever watches this one day, the owners of that trailer, they might not appreciate me showing that and, and, and hating on it a little bit. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. Let's just say that. It was this incredible trailer, rust everywhere, holes in the ground you could see through and the grass. And um, For whatever reason, I had this bright idea to paint the wood floor, the subfloor, because I couldn't afford flooring at the time. I had a bright idea to paint the subfloor. I painted it all black, and then I sealed it with this, this, this lacquer that just would not dry. And so I couldn't even walk through my house without like <laughs> leaving footprints so you could see where everybody walked. It was, it was ridiculous. I had this black and white like checkered diner Um, stick-on tile that you literally stuck on one tile at a time and it was completely crooked so there was there was like gaps in between you know where the where the the cabinets were and then where the flooring was it was it was a sight to see man (laughs) living on your own being an adult is hard dude 21 years old adulting is tough but I I had this trailer and, and I had these rooms in and I had these spare bedrooms and I said look Nick I know you're living out of your car I heard you're living out of your car I don't have a lot to offer you, but I do have this trailer I'm living in. It's not much to see, but I have this spare bedroom if you just want to live here for a while. Um, I don't recommend that to, <laughs> to any of you because who knows? The guy could have killed me uh, in the middle of the night. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was 21 and stupid, right? I was just trying to follow what God had for my life. And, and I said, you can come live with us. You can stay in our spare bedroom. And this, this just totally changed Him inside. I mean, he was floored that I would even offer that, and and, uh, I think it was the first or second week we were there, I I made this little fire pit in our front yard, and we do it backwards in Louisiana, we do it in the front yard so that when people are driving by, we're like, hey, come on, join the fire pit, we got some hot dogs and some, some, you know, have a weenie roast and marshmallows and all that kind of stuff. Here, it's so different. You, like, hide in your backyard. Oh, don't let the neighbors see us. We don't, want them to know we're, we don't want them to know we're having a cookout. <laughs> Southern hospitality, it's a different world, man. But I'm having this fire pit in our front yard, and, and I said, hey, Nick, I'm, I'm hanging out in the front yard. Why don't you come hang out with me? After you get off work, it's like 9 o'clock at night. He comes by, and, and we're sitting on the hood of my 1990 a Honda Accord. It's brown. We called it the turd bird. It was so ugly, man. It matched the trailer, though. It was awesome. And so we're sitting on the hood of my, my Honda Accord, and he just asked me, he's like, dude, so tell me about this, this Jesus. He was asking for it. It was awesome, because I didn't even say anything about it. I'm just loving the guy, just, just kind of showing him Jesus um, through, through, through my actions. And the dude just ends up begging for it. He's like, are you going gonna to tell me about this Jesus, man? Like, what, what's the deal? What, what's going on? And, and he asks these really hard questions. He asks questions like this, and you may have had this question asked to you before. Why do bad ha- things happen to good people? Why, why does this little kid who's, who's five, year old, five years old get, get diagnosed with leukemia and three years later die? Why does that happen? He's asking me these tough questions, and I'm 21 years old. I'm like, Nick, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I have no idea. But what I do know is that God has changed my life. I gave him my heart, and my path has changed drastically. Every day I wake up, I've got something to look forward to, I feel the love of Jesus in my life. I feel the joy well up inside me every day. When I get to see you, I know God has a calling for me to, to, to pour love into you. He wants to love you. He wants you to know right now that he loves you just the way you are. With your marriage on the rocks, with your kids not wanting to see you, with, with life falling apart, he loves you just the way you are. And he's, he's pouring tears at this point. And I'm like, man, Nick, why don't you join me at church? We have it every Sunday morning. Why don't you just come hang out? You can talk to my pastor. He could probably answer these questions better than I can. I have no idea. I'm a 21-year-old punk who works at Spar Seafood living in an ugly trailer, (laughs) driving the turd bird. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And and I kid you not, six weeks later, my my pastor calls me up on the phone, and he says, Landon, I, I wanted you to be the first one to know this. Nick accepted Jesus in his life. He's restoring his marriage. He and his wife are coming to marriage counseling. He's having a life with his kids. They want to work things out. And to this day, he's still serving Jesus. Their marriage has been restored. He's has, he has a great relationship with his kids. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's what Jesus can do. Amen. Amen. And listen, that's what Jesus can do through you. We make it so difficult. We make it so hard and and think that it's this grand idea that we've got to put a whole production on for people and tell them the Bible cover to cover and explain to them, you know, why evolution is not right and why, why Christianity is, like, we don't have to do that. Just show them the love of Jesus through your actions. Show them that you care. Tell them what God has done in your life. And that's it. That's our only job. It's that easy, but we overcomplicate the mess out of this thing. I mean, look at Jesus. I'm not going to go into this entire story, but in in Luke chapter 19, it talks about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is this tax collector that nobody likes. They, They literally despise the guy. Nobody wants to talk to him. And what does Jesus do? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to have lunch at your house today, son. I'm coming to eat with you. And these people are like, what are you doing? You're going to eat with this guy who's, who's evil, who's scheming, who's stealing? Yeah, that's the one I want to reach. That's the one whose heart needs to be turned. I need to plant a seed in them. I need to show them love by having lunch with them. It's so easy. All Jesus did was have lunch with Zacchaeus, and what happened? He turned his life completely around in an instant and said, listen, all this money that I stole, I'm going to give it back four times. I'm going to give back all I stole. I'm going to repay it. I'm going to do things right from here on out. He turned his life just because Jesus had lunch with him, because he showed him he cared. And he made a difference in his life because of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23, it says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, I've become all things to all people. I've I've become all things so so that they can see Jesus through basketball. I'm going to go and play basketball. Speaking of basketball, I'm so excited about this. This is a side note. Interest groups, power group interests are supposed to launch at the end of April, but I am so excited. Paul Smack, if you don't know him, um, he's, he's an awesome guy. He got us into the PAL, which is the Police Athletic League, and he, he met the new guy who's working there. And this Tuesday, we're going to play some basketball, okay? I don't care if you're 14 or 40, you're welcome to come and play basketball with us, and I will school you personally. Uh, through basketball, through taking people to lunch, through going hiking, becoming all things to all people, it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not. It doesn't matter if you want to run a 4K with Lori Wojcik or not. Become all things to all people. If you got a friend who wants to run a 4K and you need to work out, this is a win-win. They don't know Jesus, they want to run a 4K, you need to work out. It's all good in the hood. We're going to we're going to make this thing happen. Win-win. So that by all possible thing means, I might have I might save some. By all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, but that I may share in its blessing. And that brings us to the last one, number four. Be ready to share. Be ready to share. You're going to have an opportunity this week, and this is going to stick out in your mind. Man, I remember what we talked about on Sunday. I need to be ready to share what God has done in my life. That's all you got to do. Just share what God has done in your life. Share what he's done in your life. I know he's been good to you. I know he's been good to me. We're going to have an opportunity to cross paths with people at a restaurant, our server, our, our cashier at a checkout line people in our workplace, our friends at school, you're going to have an opportunity this week, and you've got to be ready to share at any moment, whether it's convenient for you or not. God has a plan to use you. You're His only plan. Would you stand with me this morning? I know it's 10:35. It's early but I'm getting you ready for lunch. Because I want you to call up a friend. I want you to text somebody and say, hey, I want to go have lunch with you today. I want to take you to lunch. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I just want to have lunch with you. And I want you to share with them what God has done in your life. This is going to be your first opportunity to share Jesus after today. So I want you to think of that person. Who am I going to take out to eat? Who am I going to take out to dinner tonight? It doesn't have to be today. I know it's really short notice. But you get what I mean. This is an urgent thing. You are his only plan. You're his only plan. I'm his only plan. That's a, that's a heavy thing. That's a scary thing. Every seat that you see that's empty today This is a person, this this represents a person who's lost and doesn't know Jesus. I challenge you today, be what Jesus has called you to be. Do what he's called you to do, to be his witnesses, to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. We're not here to become spiritually obese. I'm sorry. That's not why I'm at this church. And if that were the goal, I would be gone tomorrow. I would find another church that was about spreading the love of Jesus Christ. It's not about the name the power place. It's not about our pastors. It's not about these walls. It's about finding the lost, the ones who need to know Jesus and sharing that good news with them, that they can have eternal life in heaven with him. There's only two places, eternal life with Jesus or eternal damnation in the lake of fire gnashing of teeth, weeping for eternity, what do you want to be responsible for? Do you want to be responsible for for people coming to know Jesus and having new life in him or for them to be burning in hell for the rest of their lives? Because ultimately that's up to us. Every person we pass, every person we meet, it's up to us. What are you going to do with it? We've got a responsibility we got a job to do. We got a nation to win. We got loss to reach. We've got Kenneth Square to take over for the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Let's pray. If you're here today, and you would say, Man, I I, I hear what you're saying about this, this Jesus, this one that could change my life. And, I wanna experience that. Maybe you're ready today. Maybe you've, maybe you've been invited by somebody and, and you're at that ready stage and you wanna to come to know Jesus. I wanna give you that opportunity today. If you're here and you would say, yeah, I wanna step into new life in Jesus Christ, would you just slip up your hand real quick? You'll know right away. Amen, I see you. Anybody else? Just slip up your hand real quick. Amen. 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 Well, I want to do this. There's going to be a scripture that's thrown up right here on the screen. And I just want you to read that real quick. It's the, um, it's the black and white picture. Thank you. Let's just read this together as soon as it comes up. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So why don't we do that today? Amen. Amen. If you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, would you just declare that Jesus is Lord in your life, that you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead and step into new life in Jesus Christ today? Come on, can you celebrate that for the new life that's happened today? Amen. 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 Man, what an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. I just want to pray for you real quick. God, I thank you for this new life that you've given these individuals today. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that they're going to find in you, for the people that they're going to connect with through through power groups, through interest groups, God, for through relationship on a Sunday morning. God, I thank you that they're going to connect with others that are like-minded and furthering your kingdom. They're going to grow in you. They're going to discover their purpose. We want four things here. We want to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose and then to make a difference. And we believe that all four of those things can happen today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in their life. We celebrate this win today. New life in you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Can you give him one more hand clap of praise? Amen.